This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. FileMaker 19 is Claris's first open platform release, and the features included in this version do all they can to open the platform. We can now use JavaScript, install third-party add-ons, and much more. Chris Hippolyte joins me and Todd today to talk about shortcuts and NFC, two powerful features that continue to open the platform. Chris has done a lot of work with these two features, playing over the weekends and with new apps and that utilize shortcuts, bought NFC tags and has worked with those. He's got a lot of experience with these features, getting Siri to do something in FileMaker or other apps, even as far back as 2016. He helps Todd and me learn all about using shortcuts and how NFC works. As you listen in today, know that all we talk about is a result of incessant playing and configuring and exploring. Chris shares the fruits of his exploration about NFC and shortcuts. Hey folks, welcome to the Context Podcast. Todd, I see you're there. You're you're the co-host today. Hi. 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 <laughs> and my back. other Good. And my other co-host, apparently, Chris Hippolyte. How are you doing? Hey, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, good. Well, uh, we brought you on because there's still more to talk about with FileMaker 19. Are you excited about uh, still talking about the new features? I feel like I have not had any conversations where I'm not. So yes, yeah. actually, I'm very excited to be here. So we're going to take two hours to talk about the open layout quick keys. Does that sound good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, no, it no, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about dark mode. We're going to talk oh. about dark mode. Well, sorry, hold on. Mode. I need to get my notes. Okay, yeah, there we go. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about, and, and I think you've you've uh, prepared some stuff, some stuff to talk about, and you've also put some stuff out on your uh, your YouTube channel or your your uh, site. Yep. But yep. Uh, we're going to take a we're going to talk about shortcuts and NFC today. Um, two pretty interesting features. I don't actually know why I would use shortcuts, so I think you're going to have to help me understand it and convince me um, to, uh, to, uh, to start using this. This is the one that I'm like close minded on. So <laughs> all right, you can open my mind. <laughs> accept that challenge. But before we get started, you, um, there was a tweet going around between you and Todd a, a week ago or so. Um, yeah, it was about the color picker tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. I didn't follow everything. I try to avoid social media as much <laughs> as I can, but well, tell me about that. Uh, it was actually this moment where, you know, it was in a demo file that was really just demonstrating uh, JavaScript in the web viewer. And I noticed something kind of interesting happening. One of the, the uh, in, inside the JavaScript, there are a couple of things. There's like a slider and then there's a color picker. And I thought I saw while I was monkeying around with the demo file, I thought I saw the color picker actually reach out past the boundary of the web viewer object. And then I thought, oh, my God, am I seeing things? This is pretty crazy. And then sure enough, I did a little experiment and I put that up um, somewhere. I think I tweeted that out there yeah. in the video or I put the video in the tweet, of course. And I said, is this cool? And what it was was a really tiny, let's call it like the size of a postage stamp uh, web viewer that had a button that would invoke a, a, a color picker. And then the color picker like grows outside. Now, this is only on Mac, we discovered, but it grows outside the web viewer and really like overhangs outside the web viewer object. And it even covers up another layout object that I threw on that layout. And this is just one of those things where you're like, 
wait, am I seeing this? Is this really a thing? I don't know how useful it is or even if it is, but maybe someday it would be. And so I tweeted it out there and it got a lot of traction. But most importantly, Todd, you actually solved the riddle Mm -hmm. as to how that actually happens. And I thought your explanation was really interesting. Yeah. So um, inside of a web viewer, we have a browser, you know, and that's Safari on Mac, IE 11 on Windows um, and also Safari Mobile on, on iOS. And um, so it's subject to all the same rules and, you know, has all the same features of, of the native browsers, uh, of the regular browsers, including the fact that all of the controls that you see, like, say, a form input or a button or, a, um, or a, even a range slider or any of those things, those are native controls. So those are actually provided by the operating system. So there's a, those are not web components built from scratch. So those are, they're all starting with these native controls. Now you can add styling to those and people do, and they also build, they build, um, you know, color pickers. Like you see the ones that, um, that, that, that look like they're in, in the web viewer. Those are built using, you know, like they're, they're basically constructing the color picker from scratch. But if you use a native input and you give it the type color, then when you invoke that, it will, it will, it'll spawn the native color picker on, on Mac and iOS. So that's, um, that's that, exactly that's what's what happened. I was doing there. Yep. And, yep. and we were, we were pontificating over what other inputs might do something like that too. I mean, obviously a color picker, you know, expands. So right. that's something that is a candidate for it. I, I don't know if we come up on Twitter with another one. Um, so we'd have to try the the uh, drop down list or the menu. Um, I think when I think that'll do. Well, it on well. Windows, yeah, those are the ones I was going to play around with. But I yeah. but it looked like there were different support on Windows. Yes, uh, they're not going to. So on Windows, you're not going to get the support. This is one of the reasons why, you know, long ago people abandoned trying to use the native controls um, sort of as is because they just don't line up across platforms. So. You know, that's why we have all the UI frameworks we do in, in, in the web world is to kind of gloss over those changes. And unfortunately, what that means for us, when we're building these little tiny web viewer um, widgets to stick on a FileMaker layout, we're almost always constrained to that space that we that we draw our little web viewer. And so in the case that you're talking about, that was only the size of a postage stamp. So um, yeah, it'll work for Mac for color pickers there. And if that's your environment, then you can you can pull that off, and that'll work with the new JavaScript stuff just just perfectly. If you need something cross-platform, um, you're more than likely going to have to use one of the cross-platform color pickers that work on 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 both Mac and IE 11 Windows. And then you're the you know the the kind of workaround for that in our current environment is to use a popover. So use a FileMaker popover, and right, in that yeah. popover you load your your web viewer. And in that web viewer, you put your color picker. And so that gives you approximately the same behavior. Um, and it, it'll work on Mac, Windows, WebDirect, and iOS and all that stuff. And if you so, want to check out that phenomenon, it's up on our iSolutions Inc. Twitter. There's a little video on there and be happy to hear people's comments on yep. what they so, think is cool or not. So, so this phenomenon, whether, whether it's, <laughs> it's a good word or not, <laughs> it, it kind of... It removes the boundaries of the web viewer and you can, you have a little bit more flexibility. Your web viewer can be five pixels by five pixels. Is that right? There's yeah, a pretty min- much. 
Yeah, yeah, there's. I think there might be some level of minimum. I'm actually doing it. Well, no, yeah, five pixels by five pixels. Whatever the thing is that you're drawing within it, as long as you can see it, basically. But yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, and I and I think it's worth mentioning. I, I believe that's really where the power of the of JavaScript integration comes in. While that wasn't one of our topics here today, I think it's important to note whenever you can that subtle use of JavaScript inside your inside your FileMaker layouts as if it's its own object is yeah. really where the power comes out. Making an entire layout, you know, all JavaScript makes sense when it comes to things like calendars and a window or like we've done seating charts and stuff like that that are really sophisticated and need a lot of screen size. Right. But really the cool stuff is when you're doing sliders or input controls or whatever and you're just burying them inside a FileMaker layout. Sneaky, Sorry. a little sneaky. Uh, sneaky, yeah. Sneaky JavaScript integrations, <laughs> I think, are the most effective. Honestly, I I agree. I think I would love to see that. Obviously, you know, you can design a whole layout that's a full size file make uh, JavaScript app, but it'll be cool to see how sneaky people get in fitting these in inside of a card window that you don't really know is a card window or a popover or you know, we built a timer right for an add on. It's a that great example. It doesn't look anything like a, a full-fledged JavaScript app. It's just a small little web viewer. And Todd, you have a, a barcode creator as well. So Yeah, you know, it brings up something we should just mention it since we're on it. But the barcode creator was kind of like that. And there's another use case for JavaScript and web viewers, and that's just for computation. Mm-hmm. right? So you just want to send in some data and do something to it and then get back the result. And the barcode creator is almost that because you're basically, you're feeding it some text, you know, that you want to turn into a barcode and it then, it then prints out it then gives you back a barcode in the form of a base 64 encoded PNG. It's not actually displaying the barcode in the web viewer. And the reason that is, is because that won't print, right? Barco- uh, web viewers don't print in, in, in FileMaker. So if you want to print a barcode, which is almost always what you're doing with barcodes, you need it to be a PNG. So in the case of our little barcode add-on, um, there's really nothing really just have the button there, but that's really just to kind of point out where it is. You wouldn't even really need the button at all. You could just have a tiny little one pixel by one pixel. I think it has to be a little bit bigger. There is a limit. Um, we went through this. I think it's got to be like five by five or something uh, to work across all platforms, but you just put this little tiny web viewer mm-hmm. on there. You, you load it full of your little app and then you, you tell it what to do using a FileMaker script. And then it gives you back a result. So it's this use case of JavaScript that's not for UI, but rather for computation. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll start to see people are already trying that because it's there's a lot of neat things you can do, especially with like just like sorting and filtering arrays and you know processing large numbers things like that, where um, where just using it as a computational engine is is really powerful. I stole a. Um... Uh, accounting functions from Josh, uh, things that you can't do in FileMaker that I can call and get back the the results. So yeah, that sounds like a use for an add-on though in the future for something like that. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Okay. So we have levels of these, right? And actually that's, and I think we've talked about this before in various forums and area, but we have the full screen apps, we have the sneaky widgets (laughs) and we have the computations. Yeah. So we're going to have to come up with clever names for those. those I I like sneaky. I like sneaky. Yeah, sneaky <laughs> sneak stack E. I think it's yeah. a good one. I like it. Yeah, all right. Well, and that's actually more in line with what a web app is, right? Because a web app is built of a bunch of components. One of them might be a date picker that just fits in. I obviously it's easier because it's it's basically rendering 
top to bottom and everything flows, but we don't have that luxury in FileMaker so much, but um, we're kind of getting there to where it's sort of web, you know, it feels like a web. It's just these little components stacked in there. So, yep. Well, the, having the components as add-ons will absolutely make it seem yep. more like that web environment um, yep. as time goes by. Yeah. Imagine having a date picker and a timer and a little chart on the same stop layout. It. Just stop no, it. <laughs> no one even knows. The user doesn't even know it's a, those are web viewers and JavaScript. They just see it and use it. Or the developer, but for that matter, because yeah. they've just dragged and dropped those things onto their layout. Yeah. They, they're getting yeah. on the wiser. I know people that are not quite convinced of these yet, but um, I hear that we are, and you know, we'll just keep moving forward with evangelizing it and talking about it. So, yeah. Um, before we move on to the other topics, I'll drop right now that we should we'll put in the show notes that um, that I'm doing a webinar with Claris on the 23rd, and you can register for that. It's being done twice for so we can get reach uh, both in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, and we'll have the show notes, uh, in the show notes, we'll have a link to where you can register for that. It's pretty short. It's only about an hour. So I'll give you a quick overview of, of just what's possible with some of the JavaScript stuff. This week's episode is brought to you by FM Perception. FM Perception is ready at this moment for FileMaker Pro 19. And we recommend you take a look at what FM Perception offers you in intelligence for this newest release. FM Perception, among its other features, lists all the standard functions in FileMaker Pro and shows you the number of times and all of the instances where you've used that function. FM Perception also now indicates which of these functions had behavior changes from previous versions. FM Perception is still the only real-time developer intelligence tool out there, allowing you to learn about or look up something about your app while you're working in your app. It takes just a few seconds to open up a new database design report in FM Perception so you can get some information about a layout or a field without breaking your workflow. Download the 14-day trial of FM Perception version 19 and see how smarter you will be about your custom app. Well, 13 minutes into uh, the, re the recording, well, let's get to our topic of the day, shall we? <laughs> oh, wait. Right. No, sorry. There's one more tweet that I wanted to bring up. You, um, uh, 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 Chris, it seems you have a, an affinity for the show Silicon Valley, don't you? <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Well, I, what I actually found myself doing was trying to explain what machine learning was, specifically vision models. And I would throw out there at like user group presentations or something, uh, if whether or not anyone has seen uh, the the episode of Silicon Valley where they do the hot dog, not hot dog app. And if you haven't, please like don't take it out of context. It's just a funny joke where it's an app where you take a picture of a hot dog and it tells you if it's a hot dog or not. Um, and I thought, what a fun way to practice some machine learning. So again, up on iSolutions Inc. on Twitter, I... Uh, created an actual app that it lets you take a picture of something and determine whether it's a hot dog or not a hot dog. And I even used the voice of the character in the, in the episode to identify it. And, uh, you know, while it's silly and tongue in cheek and intended to be entertaining in the notes on the YouTube video that's referenced in that tweet uh, up on the iSolutions YouTube page, I actually uh, uh, put a link to download the file for free so you can check it out. So you can download the file and, um, 
you know, play around with it yourself and put it on your own phone. And at barbecues this summer, when things are back at it, <laughs> you can do hot dog, not hot dog, uh, to regale your friends in conversation about things that FileMaker can do on an iOS device, at least in that case. Awesome. Pretty soon, if we follow the trend of Silicon Valley, pretty soon we'll have our refrigerators running our <laughs> FileMaker apps, right? As long as they don't get hacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's get into the topic. Um, of the three of us, Chris, you've done the most work with these two. So, like I said at the beginning, uh, you're going to have to enlighten us about shortcuts, sure. especially. Well, so, do you want us to well, start talking about it? Yeah, for sure. I, I have a little bit of a timeline too. Of uh, and I, I did a session back in 2016 at, at DevCon, and I'm hoping that some of the folks that are listening were at that session. Um, because what I was talking about was URL schemes or the, you know, using URL streams or the FMP URL to um, communicate with other apps on your device. Uh, what I was focusing on in that session was using the FMP URL to talk to other URL schemes that were, are, you know, dedicated to other apps on the device and have them talk back and forth. Now, I did some wacky thing to jar memory from folks where I used a certification test uh, study uh, app. And if you got one of the questions right, it would turn a lamp on with a green bulb. And if you got it wrong, it would turn a lamp on with a red bulb. Um, it was sort of my moment and I really enjoyed it. But the reason that it's meaningful for this discussion of shortcuts is because I was profiling an app in that uh, session that at the time was called Workflow.io. Yeah. Yeah, and and really, what I was doing in the workflow I O was saying, well, look, sometimes there are apps that have supported URL schemes. When you don't find one, then you can go use this other one and create essentially create your own bridges between those apps, which you know is like a URL scheme maker. Well, um, I don't mind sharing that when I submitted that session, um, the feedback that I originally got was, oh, you know, do do we really need to talk about URL schemes? They're kind of dying, and you know, we don't want. FileMaker to seem dated. And I said, ah, just give me a shot at this. And as it turns out, that workflow.io app about six months after that session has nothing to do with my session, by the way, just as the, <laughs> timeline, as the timeline happens, got purchased by Apple. And then a couple uh, iOS versions later, I think 12 specifically, uh, it was reborn as the Shortcuts app. And if you're looking for it on your device, don't look for Siri shortcuts. Look for just shortcuts because that's the name of the app. Um, and it's the exact same thing as Workflow. As a matter of fact, I had a bunch of Workflow.io, uh, like flow type things already created in the app. And when when shortcuts get installed, it just converted those into shortcuts. It was pretty cool. So um, the, the Is that on my were, machine now? Is that on my... Everybody who's got uh, an I, uh, well, iOS on your iOS uh, devices... That's right. Um, look for shortcuts. It's on there. Um, and, uh, and yes, we, we hear a lot of references to Siri shortcuts, but just, just so we're clear, Siri is just one of the ways you can trigger a shortcut. And for those that have not played with shortcuts before, if you understand Claris Connect or you've heard somebody talking about what Claris Connect is, it's just a series of actions where the very first action is a trigger. It's very much like if this, then that, that was also another app that I showed in that session um, back in 2016, um, where you say, when this thing happens, have these other things happen. Mm -hmm. Now, what this support is in FileMaker 19, specifically on iOS and Go, is that we can do something that's called donate a FileMaker script or a series of FileMaker scripts to the Shortcuts app. So that when you're creating a Shortcuts app, whether the trigger is Siri or not, 
then you can actually run a script in FileMaker. You can pass it a parameter. It, it shouldn't be too surprising. It's exactly what you could do with the FMP URL scheme. And I suspect that that's kind of what's going on under the surface is just the URL scheme exchanges, uh, just like in workflow. Uh, so what the shortcuts, the new functionality, what it really is, if you're listening to this pod, if you go into your FileMaker Pro on your desktop and open up ScriptMaker, if you choose one of those scripts... Oh, and you stop. Just, script oh, workspace. Damn it. <laughs> God. If you... <laughs> I did all this with the Siri thing and I messed that up. All right. If you, if you go into FileMaker Pro and you go into your script workspace and pick any one of those scripts, go ahead and just right click on it or get your contextual menu and you will see um, a new terminology that you probably weren't familiar with before. That is what what is the new feature basically. And that is called enable shortcuts donation. Hmm. Now that's a term, donation is a term that's new to us in the FileMaker world, but it's not in app development. Donation means let well, in this case, specifically, let shortcuts see this thing. So, you know, you got to kind of figure out in your workflow um, if you want, for example, Siri to trigger a script that's running in FileMaker Go, you have to first go enable the shortcuts donation for whatever scripts you want to have available to shortcuts. But also, pro tip, go into security. And since, in fact, this is these are URL schemes, you got to go into your extended privileges and make sure that you're enabling FM URL script because, in fact, that's how uh, Shortcuts is calling that script. So that's kind of a little pro tip there. Hmm. Uh, and so once you do that, you can transfer that app over to FileMaker Go on your device or you can log into a hosted version of the file using FileMaker Go. The other pro tip I'll give you is that you have to open up the file with the donated script at least one time on the device before shortcuts can actually uh, access it. Hmm. So once you do that, then you can go into your shortcuts app and create uh, a shortcut that references a FileMaker script. And why would you want to do that? Well, at the very least, you can use voice commands to trigger a FileMaker script. Okay. So I'm looking at my phone and I see the FileMaker app. I can add it to shortcuts. Uh, I'm going to just get really to the end of the line here and say, so as a developer, I would make some scripts available to shortcuts. I would donate them, right? Yep. And then I have to tell all of my users, here are all the possible shortcuts you could use on your iOS device. Well, yeah. And I think what you're talking about is that your copy of shortcuts is, is it's just kind of similar to the dark mode conversation. That's a setting that like, but in this case, the app shortcuts is specific to you, to your right. device. So yeah. I think a lot of people will think, oh, what, I have to like coach my users through, you know, setting up shortcuts. Yes, kind of. But I went a little bit further in my investigations with that. And I found that um, if you are using the cloud to share your shortcuts across multiple devices, which I think most of us have turned on by default these days, which means, you know, I have a shortcut that I create on my yeah. phone. That, that one will be available on my iPad as well or any other iOS device that's using the same Apple ID. The interesting thing is that I found is that if you're if you have that if you have cloud uh, sharing turned on, you can then share that shortcut. You're, if you're looking at your shortcuts right now, uh, Jeremy, you can actually mm -hmm. like click on it to do share, and then the um, the terminology that you're looking for specifically is it says uh, share uh, cloud link or something like that. 
Oh, that's yeah. Cool. So now there's a little bit of a gotcha there. So what it does is it gives you a URL and it literally just says like iCloud forward slash and like an ID number, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight or something like that. But the cool thing is that you could build that into your, so I built a FileMaker app, for example, that had a supported shortcut <laughs> and yeah, I use the open URL to install that. Yeah. And so the second that you run it, a message actually pops up to your users that says, hey, do you want to install the yeah. shortcut? Now, much to my chagrin, um, there is a security setting that does not appear until you try to actually, you know, have somebody share a shortcut with you that's called allow untrusted shortcuts. It sounds very scary and nefarious. It's actually under your settings menu, under shortcuts and under sharing security, it says allow untrusted shortcuts. Um, that won't even show up actually until you try to, to share this. But when you do, you'll see that it's on by default. But if your users just turn that on, they'll be able to install the shortcut through the process I just mentioned, or even manually, if you just text it to somebody or airdrop it to somebody, you know, for example. Um, and then I went one step further because I was unsatisfied with that. I um, So first of all, you won't see the setting until you run a shortcut first, like any shortcut. Then you'll see allow untrusted shortcuts. I went ahead and asked our friends over at Jamf. You guys know Jamf. They're yeah. an MDM platform. Mm -hmm. They're really tight with Apple. And I uh, uh, went over to those guys, uh, uh, Mike Lim, who's a great contact. I think you guys probably know him as well, too. And I said, Mike. So help me solve this dilemma. Please tell me that this is on managed devices in an MDM setting. Can we control this? And then I held my breath for like 13 minutes. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, he came back with the answer that doesn't surprise me that, you know, that's a security setting and Apple won't allow you to sort of, you know, globally change, right. allow those across devices. While it's not anywhere near as kludgy as people may have thought that you can't even that people have to go create their own shortcut, all they have to do is allow untrusted shortcuts, and then you can send them one or install it as part of your your FileMaker installation. Um, and I think that's actually kind of fun and exciting from a use case standpoint. I I have a question about that. So you're a developer and you set up these scripts to donate to shortcuts or whatever the terminology is. Um, yep. let's say you have 10 scripts there and if you share them, so I load them onto my device. I, well, I technically enable I'm, all of them. I'm, I'm sharing the shortcut that is referring to those donations. Yeah. So yeah. I've done so, the work already for the user. Really. Yeah. So as a developer, I go to my, my iPhone and I set up those shortcuts that connect to the FileMaker scripts, right? Yep. Yep. If if I share them with my users, with all the people who are going to use this app, I can do that through the iCloud or through this URL scheme. And they get all 10 of them. They get all, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is what if you have security or privilege set issues? What if, what if some scripts shouldn't be run by some people? Is that really complicated to distribute? It's just all that maker security. Yeah, all all okay. that is still managed through the FileMaker gateway. That's exactly yeah. correct, Todd. Yep. So it's it's not exposing anything new. Um, you know, I, obviously, I I'm nervous about telling people to just unilaterally turn off or turn on allow untrusted shortcuts because some other nefarious fool might try to you know mess with them that way. But 
you can just turn them on to a, to install it and then turn off allow and trust it after that. But then everything else, yeah, is just FileMaker security. Okay. This is an easy thing to overthink because really all it is is I want some FileMaker functionality in my shortcuts. So before okay. you do that, you have to uh, donate those scripts uh, over to Shortcuts to be able to make that. I have an example, by the way, if this helps sort okay. of paint the picture. Um, I have this app um, that I, I think I did a video of this on the iSolutions YouTube page as well. It's a dog walker app. I, I distributed this in, at past dev cons and through my LinkedIn learning stuff. So people probably have it. Um, and it was originally an example of showing the new get sensor functions that came out a couple of versions ago, whenever that was. And it's a real app that I use when I'm walking my dog. So I say, you know, I open up the app and I say, um, this is Chris and I'm walking this dog and we start, you know, walking. And then when I come back to the house, I say, end that dog walk. And it tells me how many steps I walked and it logs it. It kind of shows me, you know, what kind of exercise I'm getting, what kind of exercise my dogs are getting. Um, so that to me, there's a problem that I wanted to solve using Siri with, with that example. The problem was when I leave the house, I've got two dog leashes and they're pulling me in a million directions and they're all fired up about their walk and new smells and stuff. So I can't get to my, you know, I don't have the convenience of pulling up our, my app and opening up FileMaker Go and clicking my name in the dropdown and clicking the dog's name. So, and then clicking to start. So I thought, what a perfect thing to use a voice command to trigger that whole process. So what I did was I donated the script that starts a walk to Siri, to Siri, or two shortcuts. Sorry, and then I create. Then there was another script, which is equally as a problem. I come back into the house and I have to remember to pull the phone out of my pocket and end the dog walk. Well, that that one was really tough for me to do, so I donated that script as well. So then I went and I created a shortcut that um, I'm doing a couple of things. I'm saying all I have to do is to say to Siri, "Hey Siri, start my dog walk," and then it opens up FileMaker Go, whether it's open or not. You know, I have to authenticate against it. I just do a little touch ID or face ID, you know, to your point before. And then it runs that script. But I took it. So first, I want to pause and make sure that makes sense. Because before I talk about this sort of cool pro tip thing I did after that point. But that makes sense, right? I'm just using a voice command to trigger the script and to end the yes. script. Yes. So part two was I realized inside shortcuts, if you play around with shortcuts, you can do voice commands. So I can use... I can have Siri ask me a question and then when I answer it, I can save that as a variable that gets passed back to the FileMaker script as a script parameter. Not only can I uh, trigger this to the script to run, but there's this thing in uh, inside shortcuts, which is called ask. And so, for example, I drop one of those actions in my shortcut before I run the FileMaker script, and I say, ask the user the following question. You can just type a question in. So I type in the question, who's walking the dog? And then Siri actually comes up and says, unfortunately, it's awkward, and, and it actually says, shortcut says, who's walking the dog? And then I answer it. As the user, I say, oh, it's it's Chris. Chris is well, Chris, right? And then, then I save that as a provided input or a voice input as a variable in shortcuts. And again, you can go check out the video on iSolutions Inc. if you want to actually see this in action. Then the shortcut goes to the next question, which dog is being walked? Saves that to a variable. And then finally, at the end of that shortcut that I created, I then I get to the FileMaker Go 19 piece and I send over the name of the walker from the voice input you know, it's transcribed into text and the name of the dog as a variable 
And I just send that over to FileMaker Go, which runs the script and then populates the who's walking the dog field and then who's what's the dog name field. So I'm in that case using voice commands to populate FileMaker fields within a script that's running. It's pretty cool. And one thing I think that may not be clear to folks is that if you've got an Apple Watch, this works from your Apple Watch. Oh yeah, nice time. So that means if you if your if your if your if your phone's in your bag or in your pocket. You just have to hold up your watch if it's an Apple Five, and just do the command, and it will do it. So, and, and, or your air, or your AirPods, or your really, AirPods, yeah, yeah, yep. or, Same or kind of thing. AirPods, and just say, just you know, get it going. So this is now what I think is so awesome about them. By the way, thanks for that great, great description about 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 how you how you went through that process because I think it's not super clear to folks um, right off the bat, but. Now what this means, I mean, just big picture is that we're able to project our FileMaker's UI essentially out into this sort of voice space where it's no longer interface, really. It's more just experience, right? You're just like, you know, whether you're, you're just going to squeeze your AirPods Pro, it's Siri's going to, and you're just going to say, start the dog walk. And then you just yep. can communicate with your FileMaker app just by talking, Without your iPhone isn't even up. There's no following well, Go app anywhere it, that people can <laughs> hear that you're touching. Yeah, it's Go bad. doesn't even have to be open. It'll know right. because it's a URL scheme to go open it up, have the user authenticate, and then run that script with that input. I, I think that's a, a big, big deal. And, and and by the way, the name of your shortcut is the question then. So like literally my shortcut is start my dog walk because that's what I want to say to Siri to do it. So a little pro tip there too, you you name it the thing, the the, the voice trigger that you want to actually say. (laughs) So basically you're triggering your dogs and Siri at the same time. (laughs) That's a good, because the dogs go nuts at that moment. Yeah, and Siri goes nuts. Yeah, they're going to start to get all Pavlov when they hear start my dog walk and then Okay, so let me ask you something. I um, so you said that you were filling in fields with this, uh, with with your voice, um, and you added sounds like a magic. Tr- sounds like a magic trick, by the way. <laughs> you <laughs> added that FileMaker Go doesn't even need to be open because that shortcut is a URL scheme. It knows which app to. I guess yep. it's going to open it yeah. and find that file. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. So, so then you need to do extra work to make sure, well, for you, it doesn't matter, but you need to do extra work to after when every script runs, you need to commit the record, right? So that you're not locking oh, records. For sure. Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. For sure. Like, because I was passing actual field inputs, I just did the same, you know, commit logic as you would normally because, because uh, the danger is like, to, to, I think what you're alluding to the dog name might not get captured because I might, well, I mean, I guess triggering another script to end the walk might have, but my app could die or my phone could die or something before that's committed or who knows. And yeah, so the same discipline I think is important there for committing. So obviously then this doesn't work with transactions, right? You can't no, do it. <laughs> it would work. You, yeah. you, actually, well, you'd want to use a transaction because yeah. mobile is one of the areas that are susceptible to losing a connection. If that's you're right. on a server, if if your app is server based um, and you lose a connection, you you I mean I mean FileMaker does a much better job now about trying to reconnect and getting you back to that connection. But if your connection goes down for a long period of time, you're going to lose that data. So you definitely do want to do I mean transactions commit whatever you want to make sure that your script is going to do 
everything it needs to do to to fully commit the data to the database before it ends. Well, and some of that's also controlled by FM Reauthenticate as well, too, right? Yep. Like if camera yeah. yeah. zero we'll there, do it's it. we'll do it if it happens within a certain time period, and you know, shouldn't be any problems. But if you like, you know, go underground for a, for a week of caving or something, <laughs> so you know, something like that. So it's just just the normal stuff you would do around any kind of mobile things. If you want to make sure the data is actually makes it back, you want to make sure you commit the record. What if what if, okay, so I, I actually, I don't use a whole lot of shortcuts all the time because I actually don't like talking to devices. I, re, I barely can tell Google to turn off the lights at night. Well, but, light but hold, sure, but hold on. Like yeah. it, Siri is just one of the triggers. You can actually create shortcuts that are triggered by an NFC tap yeah. or by like, for example, home automation. If you've played with the home app, like I, I set one up for those very same dog walks that when I get within, you know, whatever range of my house, it'll pop open the garage door for me so I can just cut in through the garage door instead. And it just, and that's the trigger. So I don't even have to tell Siri to do yeah, that. Like, like it could actually, instead of having to say the, and the dog walk, it could just know that. You yeah, actually, I should do that. Yeah, you're right. It'll just know that and then go run that FileMaker script based on my proximity. Yeah, I, um, I use shortcuts to, so I have a bunch of studio lights in my office and they're fairly, you know, big and bright and whatever. And so whenever I leave the house, it just shuts off all the lights in my office. Okay. And, and it, it could trigger a FileMaker script too. Like you could do it for, if you're doing like, like um, if you're doing time tracking and you've got a timer running, you could, <laughs> you could use a shortcut to turn off that timer if you leave the house or, or just, you know, you just also, you can make buttons too. Like there are. Um, yeah. You can save them to your home screen actually. As just an app. Yep. Yep. So okay. Including on your watch, by the way. So your watch can show those buttons. So again, oh, you're cool. able to project your, the, the, the sort of you, the experience of your app mm -hmm. to places that are not where we normally expect it to be. Like normally either, you know, your, your web, your web app or your FileMaker desktop app or your FileMaker Go app. Now we're getting, you know, the, we're getting voice and we're getting um, space inside the, the home, um, <laughs> inside the shortcut UI and the home screens to just add these shortcuts. Right. Okay. So, yeah, because it's not Siri. We keep forgetting. I keep yeah. forgetting. It's not about Siri. It's about shortcuts. That's right. And shortcuts are triggered many different ways That's right. in an iOS exactly. device. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think as a public service, we should say, if you see marketing materials that call this new feature Siri shortcuts, just know it's truly just shortcut support for FileMaker. Yep. It's not, it's, it really isn't dependent on Siri. What if, what if the hosted file is not available and you try to run a shortcut? What's going to happen? Same thing as if you clicked on an FMP URL when you're sharing a link in an email and it's not open, you'll get some sort of, you know, whatever the default error is that it can't find the application. Uh, but it's, but the, the, the app, it, it depends on if the app is installed or not. I think uh, if you don't. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Go app is on your device, then it's going to always be found. So if you've actually installed the FileMaker Go file, if you install the FileMaker file on your iOS device, then then it's going to be found. Um, and uh, but if you're using a server, if you're using a hosted sure. file, and you don't have an internet connection, for example, it's gonna it's gonna it's 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 gonna fail, just like it would if you tried to connect to a hosted app and you don't have an internet connection. Say, so, yeah, like with a launcher host. file or something. So, yeah, yeah. Host. Chris, if your dog walking app were hosted and you were walking out the door with two leashes and you know, the craziness of locking the door or whatever. You probably use home automation to lock your door anyway, but <laughs> how, 
how would you know that the data didn't get put? How do how would you know that the record didn't get created for this particular dog walk if it were hosted and not available? Would you well, hear something? Because you, you're well, not going to look at your phone. That's what I'm right. getting at. Well, if I, yeah, if I had a concern about that, I'd I'd probably build that into the you know the app itself. Um, okay. You know, it can, it, respond, like, I, Siri can, can respond back to you and say you know say stuff. So if it finishes its thing. If it finishes the shortcut, you can get a confirmation that everything happened. You can, okay. you can, right. You can have, you just, so we're clear the examples I gave you before, the last thing that happened was the FileMaker Pro 19, you know, uh, step in the shortcut. It doesn't need to be the last one. You can go back to Siri and have it, you know, grab an error or get some sort of confirmation on a call, you know, on a callback or something like that. And then, you know, whisper that to you as you're uh, walking. Um, but yeah, other than that, you're just leaving it up to trust in the gods. Uh, so it's probably good to trap for that. What, um, see if I can put you on the spot here. These are really great, uh, demos and examples, but if, if let's say I'm a roofer and I'm going out to inspect roofs, like I think we talked about before with, um, with, with some feature with in the previous episode, how would, how, how do you see them using shortcuts that would help them with their, uh, job? Just hands-free functionality. Um, okay. You know, I think a really good one uh, that I had incorporated into one of my videos, but I frankly just stole it from Robert Holsey's uh, presentation at the Visionary Keynote at last summer's DevCon. He, they were talking about the, uh, the, the, I forget what the actual company was, but it was a mechanic that was leaning over an engine and he pulls up a spark plug and he just uh. says, hey, or he doesn't have to say Siri, but hey, we go, what part is this? And then just point your phone at it and let machine learning a vision model do its thing. But the idea is, you know, I got my, my hands are greasy. I got my hands full. I, I can grab the phone, but I don't want to like touch the screen or anything. You know, I can, or who knows, maybe you actually have it set up on some sort of tripod and you just want it to kind of do its thing. Um, you, it is a hands-free execution in, in the same way okay. that hands-free solves problems elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there could be simple things like, you know, um, uh, you know, if a crew shows up on a job site to, to, to start working on the roof, when the foreman shows up, he can just, you know, hold up his watch and just say, arrived on site and boom, off it goes and logs that time. And that's mm -hmm. when they got there. And when they're leaving, just say, we're leaving. Or you and, could use location functions, um, right. for, to, to, to do like a geofence. Uh, yeah. One of the, we did a proof of concept once that didn't turn into a project, but it was a delivery company. And we just like said, well, here's the geofence uh, data for each one of their customers. So as the delivery driver pulls up, it'll open up on the app. This is what you're supposed to be delivering, for example. So yeah. maybe something somewhat similar here is a trigger. Okay. This is, yeah, this is interesting. I'm actually kind of interested to play with it. I don't I'm trying to think, I don't have any apps that I'm um, working in right now. Maybe uh, I'll have to think of, I'll have to build something like you, you built an app here. Yeah. I would say go play with shortcuts just first yeah. and because I think you'll have a lot of fun with it and you can come up with okay. some personal automation that will, you know, in, impact your life a little. And yeah. then all of a sudden a, oh, wait, I could really use my, a FileMaker app to do this part. Then I think it'll make more sense how those things will work together. You know, we talked I've about actually, this. I think we talked about this a bit in one of the earlier episodes that we did talking about, um, again, getting this idea that that our apps or the logic or the experiences that we're building are reaching out of the screen, right? They're, we're now responding to events with geofences or NFC, and we're able just to use voice or other applications like the home screens on our, on our apps to, to actually interact with our 
with our custom apps we're building with FileMaker. I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. You know, there's a there's also a big trend in these um, in these uh, in these chat based UIs where people are just having conversations with applications and getting answers as opposed to using a GUI. You know, we we came up all of us came up in the age of of a graphical user interface, but yeah. Do we really need, I mean, it's great for some of the apps we've been building, but if we're out there in the world, do we really want to have to whip open a screen to actually be able to get, to interact with, with um, machine learning or with our business apps? No, we just want to be able to do what we need to do wherever we are. We don't, we don't need to have to get open a big piece of glass, you know, and touch yep. it with some, with some greasy fingers or we, we, we want to just be able to interact with it. Um, sort of out in the world. So outside of, of the constraints of this two-dimensional sheet of glass that we've had now for over 20 years. That's a great point. Yeah. And I think if, if you don't have an immediate use case for this, or you can't imagine superimposing this into a workflow that you're, you have in front of you now, just remember, it's another one of those tools so that down the road, when somebody asks you, can FileMaker do that? You can say, yep, I certainly can. Here's one way I can do that. Actually, I thought of an interesting idea. Um, if a roofer is going around, uh, she may be interested in the current conditions at that exact moment. So they arrive at a location and they they run a shortcut that goes to Weather Underground or some API and brings back right. the exact temperature conditions at the moment, right? So that's, great. that's actually not bad because um, depending on the location and the kind of job, um, rules as far as the amount of breaks that that workers get change oh. based on the weather oh yeah so yeah that's good okay uh, maybe uh, maybe i'm not so close-minded after all i just oh my God, we I, get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm easily convinced i'm easily <laughs> convinced of all things filemaker it it this is definitely i'll say this again Todd and I talked about JavaScript in the latest episode, and it's it, that's what contributed to the open platform. But but adding shortcuts to our apps on the Mac and on iOS devices is part of that open platform, right? We're even more bringing something exterior to FileMaker into FileMaker or using using it. Yeah, he's blurring the lines between where where FileMaker, you know, where the borders used to be on FileMaker. It's kind okay. of erasing those. Can you send back, can you, you can't send anything back to shortcuts, can you, from FileMaker? Exit script with some sort of results. Is there any success or failure or anything you can send back? Now, what you're describing, um, like in that session I, I talked about before, well, what you're describing is what's referred to as a callback URL. Okay. And okay. like in that session, I was talking about a bunch of uh, apps that had uh, URL scheme support, and some of them had callback support. Um, I would be interested in experimenting with what the URL, it depends, I guess the, the question would be, it would be, de be depending on what you're trying to do and whether or not you could trigger that with the URL. Uh, there is a, you know, you could actually integrate FileMaker with shortcuts before FileMaker 19 by using the, the URL uh, action. I forget what the exact name is, but it's basically an action that would have allowed you to just say, oh, run this URL and it happens to be an FMP URL. My thought would be is we could do the same kind of thing. I'd have to experiment with this. The same kind of thing going from FileMaker using OpenURL back to that device. It would have to be some sort of reserved URL that only shortcuts would know, yeah. like a webhook type thing. I, I, I would say just my own personal experience, I haven't done it, but that seems like the next new frontier for experimentation. So, um, okay. 
you mentioned, Chris, that um, people could learn this so that when their clients come to them, they can say, yep, FileMaker can do that. What specifically should we listen for with our clients? Uh, I assume the word shortcut is a big thing, but are there any other keywords that a client might say that we could go, yep, that's what shortcuts are for? Yeah, I think we could. It, I mean, I think it's important to understand that your clients would need to have iOS devices um, at their disposal, and so that it would be, you know, you, you know, not difficult for them to run a FileMaker Go app. But if all those boxes are checked, I think you're probably listening for things like voice command or hands-free mm-hmm. execution, or um, home automation, or yeah, automation. You know, yeah, location I, aware. Location aware is another one. Things that are like those are great examples. Yeah, for triggers for a yeah. FileMaker script, and then yeah. the rest you just do in FileMaker like you normally would custom. Okay, interesting. Um, does this remove? No, this does this and the um, the beacon sensors are two different things. You can well, there's no correlation. There's no replacement. No, it's probably a great segue though into. Oh. Uh, <laughs> wow, look at that. Um, well, um, what you're talking about is the configure region monitor script. We alluded to that support earlier when we talked about geofencing. That is, um, you know, the, anything with the configure at the front end of it is basically like a light switch or an on switch or an off switch. So in the case of configure region monitoring, that's where you can tell the app, hey, start polling for geofence that I may have previously put into a, okay. you know, an app. Or in the case of, like you said, a beacon, we can say start polling for any beacons that I'm near, Bluetooth or iBeacon specifically that I'm near. Um, we have a new one now in FileMaker 19 that's called Configure NFC Reading, which operates under the same sort of methodology. And actually, it's in con- Configure Machine Learning, which we talked about on the last podcast I was on with you guys, is a similar kind of switch uh, type script. But the new one in FileMaker 19 is a new feature that's called Configure NFC Reading. And um, I... Uh, I'm happy to hear your thoughts on that. Do you need to be convinced, Jeremy? I need to know that before we start. No, I think it would be useful for folks is to is to compare and contrast the different triggers that we have here. These are all location type sensors and that they're aware of something in the environment that's telling them they're near something. But can you uh, maybe just give us a quick rundown of of what's different about, say, um, you know, locations, geofencing versus iBeacons versus NFC? For for sure. And I'm going to add actually another one in there, barcode scanning. Yeah, because, yeah. Barcode because scanning. while that doesn't get configured or the light switch kind of thing before, it's also a way to interact with yeah. things in your environment. So first, the um, you know for those that have been working in these things on the platform for a few versions, you may have remembered when we had location functions that were independent from configure region monitoring. Yeah. And those got you know, folded back into the configure region monitor script. Um, I I don't, was it 16? Recently, let's just put it that way. Let's call it 17-ish or something. So if you have configure region monitor script um, running, you can pull for iBeacons that are in your uh, vicinity or geofence. And geofence is really, I mean, you know, it's, I guess it's sort of like the XY coordinates. It's the lat-long coordinates of anywhere in the world with, uh, with a, a pretty 
scary level of precision, uh, frankly. So, you know, I mentioned this is actually what I was talking about before with the delivery driver. You can actually go in and say, here's all our customers and here's their geofence, their their lat- latitude and longitude uh, values that indicate, yes, I've just made it onto the campus of something or I pulled into the parking lot of something or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But in order for that to work, in order for your app to detect that you've done it and then therefore trigger a script, because that's what it's the configure NFC reading one. It says not only configure NFC reading, which I'll get to in a second, but also run this script when you get there. It's the same thing for if you detect geofence or if you detect NI beacon, you're going to say run a script when I detect it. So you're really saying turn on these things, turn these on so I can detect certain things in my immediate environment. I mentioned barcodes before too, because that's not something you have to pull for because we're actually actively using the camera on the device to say, oh yeah, now I've encountered a barcode because I've you know taken a photo. We use insert from device specifically in that case. Right. So same kind of outcome, but, but that one's not one of those configure switch scripts uh, like the others. Does, okay. So NFC, I, I, this, this sounds really intriguing me i know they didn't time it for this but with this covid19 stuff we're we're dealing with social distancing right and is this helpful in that in that regard um well you technically well uh, okay i guess i would say if we if we layer sort of our all of our own personal covid experiences um i think touch free or touchless payment has been something we all appreciate now. So you don't have to like, you know, grab a pen that's been used for the last 40 years at your local grocery store or bank or whatever, and write, you know, sign off on the credit card or whatever. You just pull out your phone and you tap it. Right. And now you have to actually physically tap the thing. Now, granted, if you're talking about contact tracing, technically you just make contact, your phone did, but the actual contact that's happening, that is the example of NFC that everybody is probably already familiar with and may or may not know that that's NFC. That's actually what Apple Pay is doing. It's using yeah. NFC. And Apple actually went all in on NFC versus you know other options like QR codes or something like that for payment purposes. And, and, and they did so, and actually, or RFID for that matter. Now, RFID, you know, you can just like wave an employee badge as you're entering a building and it'll detect it without touching it. The NFC kind of won the, you know, Betamax versus VHS battle over RFID Mm -hmm. because it was more secure because you actually had to make the contact. The tap actually had to happen. So it couldn't be intercepted in between the wave and the actual, you know, transponder piece. Um, So uh, NFC is a thing that basically says when I touch my device or in our case, my device that has a FileMaker app on it Mm -hmm. to something, I can read information about that thing and then I can do something with it. And and by the way, um, you know, if you're if if we're thinking that this is just some new thing that FileMaker introduced, not at all. NFC has been around for ages. There's uh, I just read recently, there's more than 2 billion with a B NFC pieces that are produced each year. So it's everything from tags, which are little stickers with a little computer chip in them to uh, cards similar to those employee badges or our phones. Like all these devices have NFC support. So um, one thing, one thing that may not be clear to folks is the range of distances we're talking about here in terms of, in terms of, de- in terms of being detected. So you have the, the Bluetooth beacons 
and Which, it's it's like 30 feet it's it's a low frequency bluetooth with an eye beacon so it's like 30 feet or lower and you can configure each eye beacon which is like a little thing it's a little you know orb but with a sticker on it and you can go in when you set those up and say i want this one to be five feet this one to be 10 and this one to be the maximum 30 but 30 30 is the max on and, an so, and so in that case the experience of a user is that they're walking by something and they get an alert that says, um, or they, or they open up their phone and say, what's near here. And it says, these five points of interest are near you. And you can, you can learn information about them or something like that. But yeah, if- I did it. I did a demo for uh, one of my LinkedIn things where I, I, I imagined like a warehouse, Todd, for example, yeah. and I just have my app open. And as I walk down like a long hallway, I just open up the app and I go, what's on this shelf. And it detects oh, wow. that there's a beacon there and it, it takes the information from what shelf and what aisle I'm on and goes right. and runs a file maker script and does a found set, for example. And so you're, you're five to 30 feet from that, from that beacon. Yeah. So, I'm not sure what the low end is, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's somewhere. So it's less than 30 feet. So this yep. is like, I'm in a room, there's things around me. Some of them are tagged with a, with a beacon and I can exchange, I can learn about them. My app can learn about those, those things that are tagged by just being within say 30 feet of them. Have you ever been in an Apple store and yeah, then exactly. your phone out and it goes, oh, you want to learn about Apple TV? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you walk you, into the store and it says, it says your order is ready, right? Well, yes, right. And yeah. and um, that is specifically in the Apple store. Those are iBeacons. They're using yeah. their, their iBeacon technology. In right. Case. And so, so that's like. I'm not that close to the thing. I'm, um, you know, you're, maybe in, the zone, you're in the part of the store that has the Apple TVs in it, for example. So that, 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 that longer range is actually useful in that case. Right. I want to see, I got to be like, it's near. What's it, I mean, the giveaway is near, right? Near field well, communication. Yeah. That's, that's the end. And I'll give you, I'll give you a problem solved when it comes to NFC. I'll give you a great example. People, I, when I was, when iBeacons were out, I, I used to sort of, think about what examples I could give to people. And the one that I came up with, which now I've debunked my own example. So take this for what it's worth for for future Chris debunking this very comment. But the point is, I used to say, imagine a museum. You're in a museum. And as you walk by this beautiful sculpture or a piece of art, you your, your app detects that you're within the zone of that um, piece of art and says, oh, this is a such and such from blah, blah, blah. And here's the provenance and all that kind of stuff, right? I think that's interesting, except what happens when you walk up to a wall that has five pictures on it, all right. sort of made in a cluster. Yeah. My beacon, you're not going to be able to tell which beacon you're picking up. In that case, if I can implicitly touch something on the wall, like a an NFC tag, then I know for, for sure I've actually interacted with that and I've, I've captured the right. I've identified now, does it actually require touch? Because like when I do Apple Pay, I just have to be very close, but I don't touch. So is it just really, really close or is it, does the phone actually have to touch the thing? I, I think you actually do need to touch when you do Apple Pay, actually. Um, and it I, is... Uh, I can't remember. I'm using my watch. I just go up. I get pretty close. You know, I just do it so often. I don't even know. It's just muscle memory now. I don't know if I. Todd, I don't because when you're boarding a plane, you're not like touching the um the the watch to it, but the phone. I I should probably stop touching my phone to things then. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. I'll have to. But anyway, it's very close. I used it today. I used Apple Pay today, and I didn't have to touch it. So so it's really close, though. I think it's like like it really has to be very. Then, yeah, then of just a couple centimeters, probably. You need to, to be in the near field, Todd. Yeah, near field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
four inches, actually, Todd, is what near field is defined as. So um, near NFC is limited is uh, four inches is four inches. Up. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. There you go. So now we know. Well, good. So four inches versus 30 feet. That's really what we're talking about here. Is yeah. The difference in resolution. So if you're within four inches, you know exactly what the focus is. If you're within 30 feet, you don't know which one of the things is around there. So it, it's really about the, the sort of resolution of the signal. Yes. It's actually a magnetic field produced oh, by this like loop and the little electrical current that is, is satisfied or the current is, is not broken when it touches the other thing. And it, it does that handshake in that case. Interesting. All right. I dig it. All right. Good enough. Cool. Now, well, that, that's you, you There's for, a lot of fun things we can do with that. I know. Yeah. The, the demo I was, I was, I did on my uh, LinkedIn stuff for, or actually it's up on uh, FileMaker's YouTube for NFC is a simple one. It's, um, You've got, you know, let's say you're that same mechanic that was saying, hey, what part is this? And they said, oh, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, a, a, a whatever, a gasket or something. So you go, oh, okay, I need to go get one of those. You walk into the inventory room and you walk up to the bin that's supposed to have a bunch of these gaskets in it and it's empty. So you want to, you want to reorder those because you're the one, you know, who found out that they're empty. So there's a little sticker in the bottom of it. That's which are, what is what an NFC tag is. And you can just tap your phone on the sticker and then it'll say, oh, that's empty. Let me run the ordering process. No one else has reordered it. And let's go ahead and order that thing, for example. So, um, you know, that could be an interesting way to do it. Now, a lot of people say, well, why not just use a, like a QR code or something in that case. And, um, you know, I, really what I think it, where the benefit of NFC over QR is because they're quite similar. And I think in a lot of use cases, you can use the same thing is that NFC chips can be reprogrammed. Right. So the the concept of writing an NFC, it's kind of like Jeremy probably has never done this because you're too young. But um, do you remember when you would read, write, like how expensive read, write DVs? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or CDs, even for that yeah. matter. I'm sorry. Read, write CDs. Yeah, so a QR code is a non-read-write CD. You just got to throw it away when you want to change the information. But the you know an NFC tag is the read-write CD. You know that you can actually do it over and over again. So I can update it if I want to, or add more information to it in the future. You can basically just reprogram them. So I think that's probably the biggest plus between the two of them, and the, not having to invoke a camera at, at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah, probably meaningful. Pretty sweet. This is more fun stuff. I'm glad to hear that. I would also add is just sort of some interesting things if you're, you know, the, the, to, to kind of close out on the thought of people figure, you know, wanting to play around with configure NFC reading in configure NFC reading, you're telling it to run a script when you detect the, the NFC tag and that script will unpack. So you have to go write an NFC tag. And right. if you go on the Claris videos and see the video of me going through this, you'll see that I actually bought a bunch of uh, tags and you can get them really cheap, like five bucks for like 50 or something off of Amazon. And I, I used an app called NFC, which was free to write information onto a tag. And then what FileMaker actually does is read the tag. We don't have write yet, um, but we can read. So um, you can read it when you, when you read something, the script that you're calling when it detects that you've read something uses the get script parameter function to unpack that value that was read by it as a parameter. And then you can, and then you can send that off to your script. Now, the, the cool thing is you can do continuous reading, which is optional, which means you can have a whole bunch of NFC tags. You can just go tap, 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 
tap, tap as one big scan, so to speak, right. and send all of those over as a multi-line parameter, like in JSON or something, you know, and unpack those in your FileMaker script. So that uh, can be kind fast. of a really cool yeah. thing to do. It's super fast. Yeah. So, so we should get some, um, maybe Chris, you have some information, uh, you have some links maybe we can throw in the, in the show notes where people can buy, uh, the, they can buy the stuff they need to do to play around with this. Yep. And we should probably also, if we can find some stuff on beacons too, I think they're both pretty cool, but definitely want to get the NFC stuff. That's just sounds so fun, um, uh, to, to have. I mean, I can think of a bunch of uses again, sort of in the, in the sort of home automation space where I could make little apps to, to do stuff, add things to, to do lists and stuff like that. If they're, if we're out of X, Y, or Z, just, you know, zap it. And, um, and, and do, do that kind of stuff. So I definitely want to play around with this more. So any uh, if we can get any links about where to get this stuff, we'll put it in the show notes to help people um, get the Absolutely. stuff to play around with this. Definitely. I'll send cool. that over to you guys for sure. Super, super cool, man. Uh, this is so much fun. I, I just, uh, God, it's just getting so, it's just getting so cool to be able to do all these things. Interacting with the world is, um, is really where it's at. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> talk to the computer or we just, you know, can, we just have the tricorder can just scan everything in the room. Right. <laughs> the, uh, file maker 20 beam me up, Scotty. For yeah, sure. yeah, there we go. So you better watch it. You're going to hear from legal. Well, I, you- I, is that, was there more stuff to cover on this, on this, on this, uh, in the session, Jeremy? Um, no, I think, I think that's good. Um, the only, the only thought I had of the question is you still have to, you still have to run this script to start the NFC readings, right? And then you yes. run the same, well, you run another script to cancel it. So that's like clicking my the button on my my Apple Watch to enable the NFC running, I suppose. To, to well, do you could do that on an open script, you know, to start at the beginning of your session. But if it doesn't make sense for you to be polling for a beacon or an NFC tag or something or a geofence at the beginning of your session, just do it with at the at the appropriate time within the workflow. Well, so how, this about could this? Be running. How, how about this? Let's tie these two things together and make a shortcut to start the polling and make a shortcut to end the polling. Oh, my God. And yes. then, yeah, there you go. Well, and, and actually you should know that all of these also have the ability to turn it off. So like the configure uh, NFC uh, uh, script step allows you to put a timeout. So, you know, what configuring NFC does is actually pull that little that little card up from the bottom of your screen. So you see that when you, op- you know, when you do Apple Pay, the little card pops up on right. the bottom. That's what the script actually does. So unlike Beacons, which is polling in the background, which actually yeah. interestingly is passing it off to the OS to actually do the polling for you. In this case, it's actually pulling that up into the user experience. Now you can time that uh, time it out after a few seconds to just dismiss if the user doesn't do anything. Sweet. Or you know when they do detect it, and then or you have another one that actually turns it off, right? Like you can you can either have it time out, or you actually go in and you say, um, you know, uh, the uh, I can cancel the operation itself using the cancel option and actually turn it off. Same thing with beacon. Same thing with the beacons and the location monitoring too. You can actually turn those off with the same step. So it's sweet. It's pretty sweet. It, it seems like he wouldn't really want this to run all the time then on an on open unless this app was meant only for uh reading tags around you, right? Like well, if, if you're in a warehouse maybe and you're everything's tagged up, then maybe. Yeah, but no, more than likely this is something you're gonna turn on and off depending on where you're where you're at, I would think. The most interesting thing I learned back in the the iBeacon part was that the main thing I thought was that just has to be eating up all my resources on this device. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, but 
it doesn't. It actually passes it off to the OS to do all the heavy lifting and FileMaker is left undeterred. So um, I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, I see. So that's another difference. So, so now I get what you what you meant. So just like with the geofencing, the, the, the FileMaker app is going to wake up when the signal comes in. Like it's yep. not it. So so you set up the geofence or you start, or you, or start listening for beacons and, and it's just the operating system that's just doing that. And then whenever it gets into that space or whenever it's close to the beacon, then it says, hey, FileMaker, uh, you know, here's a beacon kind of thing. Yes, except the NFC tag doesn't. The NFC, right. no, the NFC tag is, I want to actually do this. I'm getting close to something. I want to I start listening, and then I, I get the interaction, and then I'm done. So, yeah, okay. That's, that's important to know. So it, it blocks the UI is what you're saying. The NFC brings up a panel on the on top of the FileMaker Go screen, like it does yeah, for Apple. In, in as right. much, well, it blocks the lower third of the. Right. the uh, That's what I mean. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's very very cool. I dig it. Yep. Check out in the show notes. Uh, I've I've uh, got some links for a great iBeacon website, an NFC read write app, a place to get some NFC tags for cheap, and a video on Siri shortcuts and NFC that you can find on Claris.com. Uh, to kind of dig a little bit deeper into some of these concepts that we've been talking awesome. about. I'm just curious, how did you learn all of this stuff? Did you just play around with it? Was it your previous experience with, um, you, you know, the scheme, the scheme thing, the, the open URL scheme? Yeah. Did they, you just play the case, with it? Well, you know, you sort of got, well, in the case of the uh, shortcuts, I've been stalking Apple ever since I saw that they acquired Workflow.io, and I've been like, oh my God, please build that into the operating system so we can do cool stuff with it. Because actually, the rumor was that they were going to do away with URL scheme support completely. And, and, and the issue was because you're really kind of throwing you know actions over the fence of the sandbox yeah. to actually get this thing to happen. So the only way to really solve that problem without introducing security problems was to build it natively into the OS. And that's what they did. Instead of building it all, they just bought Workflow IO, built it into the, the OS so that you know they can do that exchange in a secure fashion. So I had been waiting for that to happen. And once I heard it was coming, I just said, oh, let me see if the same stuff I was doing with URL scheme still works. And in fact, those shortcuts were already on my phone when I converted to, I think it was 12. Um, and NFC was really just because it's new in 19 and and I felt like it was very similar to what we were doing with iBeacons and I just wanted to investigate you know to see what the, the, the what similarities and differences there really were um I have a couple closing questions here um, I asked some people for questions and um, we've covered some of them but here is one how do you write it you mentioned writing an NFC tag how do you write it if the value comes from FileMaker? You mentioned we don't have the right capability from FileMaker. Is that ever going to be possible, do you think? I, and- I bet it will. And I'm I'm not trying to be cheeky like, you know, somebody told us and we can't say anything. Like, I, I just figure in the context of all this that the next thing that we'll see in future versions is the ability to write. So that will be really important because dynamically, it's same thing with the machine learning uh, machine learning models. Like we can't create the model in FileMaker or retrain the model. But in future versions, when we can actually take data inside the application and then go retrain the model and then reference that same model within the app, that's where like crazy stuff starts happening. Same with NFC. When we can actually say, I just created a new record, go write a tag 
with this new, you know, with the UUID of this new record I created, that'll be something we can do. But right now we have to use another application. And, and in the show notes, there's this, this, uh, this app okay. that's called NFC for iPhone, which is free that you go and write to all of your different tags. And um, I would imagine know. there's some kind of security because you wouldn't want somebody to come along and be able to rewrite your tags. Right. So, yes. so there's some way to secure a tag. So it can't be overwritten. Yeah. Yes. Although, you know, it might be fun to check and see if people have secured their tags <laughs> if you're <laughs> walking around a warehouse or something. Um, is it a scanning thing? How do you write to the tag? You actually interact with the tag. The, the little card pops up on the bottom and says, write, and then you go bleep, and it says confirmed, and then you go read, and it does the same thing. It's the same user experience. So it's still wireless. Where are you writing to NFCs? Well, first you know, we have to understand that the NFC thing that you're writing could be, you know, in my case, they were little round stickers that, you know, we reference right. in the show notes here. So, you know, I just pick a sticker and then I write that one. Then I take the next sticker and I write it and I'm actually touching it with the app that's doing the, the writing. Okay. And then, okay. you know, the inverse of that is when fi the FileMaker app is doing the reading of those things. But okay. it, it's not just stickers or phones. It could be, you know, employee badges or, you know, whatever, uh, neural link tags embedded in your skull, you know, what, whatever these things might be in the future, we'll have the support for that. <laughs> all right. It's very good. Well, there's a lot of information. We'll have all this stuff in the show notes and, um, I think just a, to me, just a, a good list of possible use cases like we were sort of brainstorming might be helpful to folks as well, just to get their creative juices flowing. And, you know, hot dog, not hot dog is great, but it's also <laughs> very limited. Um, well, we should well, ask the listeners to send in their choices. Maybe we can bring them up in another, that's know, a great in, idea. in their use cases and we can, we can mention them in, in another episode. Yeah. All right, we'll do that and maybe reach out in the community and see if anybody has some ideas for using this yet. So good. Well, uh, Chris, this is this is great. As always, you bring lots of colorful stories and great detail <laughs> to the podcast. So well, I, I always enjoy being here um, as a guest. I'm also a fan of the pod. So keep up the good work, you guys. I really appreciate it. And um, you got some really good content out there. Much appreciated. You mentioned... You mentioned all the uh, your YouTube channel. Um, what else are you oh. working on that you want to let people know about? Well, I, I I guess I've really just been producing a bunch of content on the iSolutions YouTube channel, which uh, I'll share with you uh, and put in the, the show notes as well. But um, otherwise, I'm sort of like enjoying the calm after the storm of the 19 release and all that hard work that all of us here in this conversation put in and, and everybody out there listening you know, to get this stuff launched. So I'm just kind of, kind of chilling out a little bit and, uh, trying to take it easy. But I, I, even still, I find myself on the weekends doing things like the hot dog, not hot dog app and creating this other crazy machine learning thing I just put up on the YouTube channel as well too. So I need to go get a life, but you know, this is what we do when we're locked in the house. Right. So yeah. maybe it's good. Well, you, uh, and don't forget to mention the LinkedIn, all your trainings that are up there. Too. Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. <laughs> the uh, Up on LinkedIn Learning, I've got uh, brand new refreshed courses. It's the uh, Tips and Tricks, which is intermediate into advanced. I'm really excited about that one. Tons of stuff in there, including everything we talked about here today. And then for beginners, I've got the a very popular uh, FileMaker Essential Training, which has been refreshed for 19, also up on LinkedIn Learning. 
Uh, if you have subscriptions, go check it out. Uh, otherwise, you could just do a, a free 45 day or 30 day trial and consume all of my stuff for free. And I'm perfectly <laughs> happy if you do that. All right, Chris. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back next week to talk uh, dark mode for sure. Okay. <laughs> I look forward to it, guys. Two hours easy on dark mode. Easy. Two hours. <laughs> all right. You too, of course you can. I'll just go get lunch and deal with my dogs while you guys talk about dark. <laughs> All right, thanks, Chris. Bye. Talk to you later. Thanks, thanks guys. Bye-bye now. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Chris for sharing his passion for NFC and shortcuts. I, like I said before, I'm sold and I'm going to start using these new features. Chris and Todd are very excited about what is here and what is coming in the FileMaker platform to continue to open it up for things outside of FileMaker to affect the FileMaker data. If you're so inclined, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate the feedback. We make changes based on what you have to say, and we schedule people to talk about the topics you want to hear about. Until next week, the Context Podcast is king.